This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. My name is Corey Tullaba. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time. Gim, Albert, what's going on, man? All is well. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about climate change and entrepreneurship <laughs> and all this real-world stuff. And now we're going to talk about basketball so uh i'm excited i'm ready to go yeah the weather here in new york is gnarly <laughs> it is crazy right now like you said off air it looks like the last of us in new york yeah. right now um but we're here on uh with the draft act nba draft show on the no ceilings nba draft podcast feed to give you another player breakdown this time with a potential top five pick that's right we are going to break down Cam Whitmore, the Villanova power wing. Um, Cam Whitmore is a very young freshman. He'll be 18.95 years old on draft night. He measured in at 6'7", 235 with a 6'8 inch wingspan at the combine. Uh, he played 27.3 minutes per game this year, averaging 12.5 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, 0.7 assists to 1.6 turnovers, 1.4 steals, 0.3 blocks, shooting 47.8% from the field, 34.3% on threes and 4. Point, on 4.2 attempts, um 70.3% on free throws on two and a half attempts, 57.1 true shooting, PER of 20 and a half, BPM of 6.2. Now, Cam's preseason stock price, ESPN had him at five, SB Nation had him at six, Basketball News had him at five, The Athletic had him at five, Tankathon had him at seven, No Ceilings had him at three, Sports Illustrated had him at seven, that was an average price of 5.7, he was fifth on the draft deck IPO. Currently, ESPN has him at six, The Athletic has him at five, Tankathon at seven, Bleacher Report at nine, The Ringer at eight, No Ceilings at five, Swish Theory at nine. Average price of seven. He was seventh on the April draft act update. We need to do a June update before the draft, but he was seventh in April. So Albert, I ask, is Cam Whitmore stock price too high, too low, or just right at seven? Um, I feel like consensus will say that it's too low. I feel like it's just right um, because I, I think I kind of average things out. I have him currently at nine on my board, which, um, I get it is a little bit lower than most. Um, if I'm honest with you, Corey, I actually ended up liking him more after the the second deep dive um, of his game. But um, yeah, seven feels just about right. Um, I think this is a pretty decent class. Actually, the more I, I, I watch these guys, the more I look at my board. I actually like this class a lot. So I think seven feels just about right to me. 
Seven feels right to me too. Um, I admit nine as well, oddly enough. Um, but you know, I think he's one of these guys where there is a real high end outcome for him where he outproduces that seven. But I also think there's a low end outcome for him that I think I think is a little bit more of a realistic possibility than some of the people at no ceilings. Um, where like taking that guy at seven or at nine feels like ultimately we look back and he could be even a guy who falls to the back lottery ish. Uh, Cause I, I, I don't think there's really a world in which he's not an NBA player. Like I, so when we're talking about floor, I think he's pretty safe in that regard, but I do think there are real areas of his game that we have to break down. Um, Cause there's a lot of high end stuff and there's a lot of low end stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's time to invest $10 into Cam Whitmore. All right. I'm going to give you Jet Howard. I'm going to give you Cam Whitmore. And I'm going to give you Asar Thompson to spend your $10. Tried going with three wings, three guys that are all a little bit different than each other. How are you spending or investing your $10? I don't really have to think a lot for this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I have my answer pretty quickly. uh, Once you rattle off the names, I have Jet Howard. I'm giving him six bucks. And then I'm going to split the remaining four uh, between Cam and Asar. So they both get $2 each. Um, my reasoning for that is Jed is five on my board. And then Cam and Asar are nine and 10 back to back. So I felt like with them being back to back like that, they should get the even amount. So six, two, two. Okay. I am going to go five for Asar. I currently have him at seven, I believe. Uh, then I'm going to go with three for Cam, two for Jet. Um, I have worries about both of those guys and I have things that I love about both of those guys. So uh, hopefully we get to break down jet soon. Um, But I think it's time to get into the scouting report for, for Mr. Whitmore. And I mean, honestly, there's no place to start other than we kind of have to start with his freak athleticism, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's where the conversation starts. Like, obviously you see his frame, you see how he walks on the court, you see how NBA executives reacted to the pro day. I mean, Holy Christ, that dunk in transition, man. Like he gets, he runs the floor and and just think of like him running with some of these playmakers in the NBA. I mean, do we see where his head is on this alley-oop, this transition alley-oop? Like if we pause it right here. Oh my God. Like he's ready to kiss the the rim, yeah. right? Like it, Green. he's never a guy that you have to worry about dunking on the way up. <laughs> like he dunks on the way down. That's how high he gets. Um, and when you look at his frame at 6'7", 235, like there are very few guys who, when he is up there, are going to stop his centrifugal force from, uh, you know, just absolutely demolishing them. So. He's an astounding, astounding athlete. Corey, I think he's going to put some people on posters. I, um, I, I think that would be fair to say. <laughs> I mean, just the as, everything that you said. 
right? The athleticism pops. Uh, when we did the preseason pod on him, we asked the question, is he a better athlete than Amin Thompson? Well, we did. You know, yeah, and we both agreed that we thought that he was a better um, athlete than Amin Thompson. And I think it's because of things like, you know, the, the clip you just highlighted, the way that he, I remember this dunk against Creighton, dear God, just coming down the lane. Like, <laughs> and it's not just him doing it in transition with an open lane. He can do it in a lot of different ways. Uh, he's got second jump stuff to him, which is awesome as well. The practicality, the usability of his athleticism that go beyond a practice floor or like a, you know, workout or something like that. It, it really shows in his game. It's a huge huge percent uh huge portion of his game you know he's relying on that athleticism so uh i'm with you man it, it's a huge part of his game i'm glad that we're starting with it here because you know generally we start with shooting but this is his marquee skill the marquee thing that people are going to talk about with cam whitmore has to be his athleticism and i stand by the argument that we made in um cam's favor as an athlete versus Amen. Like Amen, a lot of really special athletic tools. He's certainly quicker with his first step, burst year. Uh, but Cam is a power athlete in the air. Like, and there's something graceful about the way he he glides. He's just like, there's something about that that I think the power is underrated when we talk about athleticism. And and I don't know if like, I think there is a correlation. I don't know if there's a direct correlation between the two just because you're powerful doesn't mean you're athletic, obviously. But when right. you can combine the power with, like, the finesse and and the the hang time and the, the leaping ability. I mean, we saw him, like, the P3 test. He just absolutely shattered, right? Um, so I, he's a special athlete, and I think he could be used in the NBA like this, coming off these, like, DHOs to get him downhill in the lane. Like, not that Villanova's offense was all that pretty to watch, but, like, they did have a good amount of spacing in the lane. You know what I mean? Like there, there was room for cam to get downhill and operate. And I think, you know, there are areas of his game um, like this, where he can get downhill off a DHO like this, that are going to translate pretty seamlessly. Um, and just the other thing, I like that he jumps off either one or two feet and he's comfortable going off of either foot. Yeah. 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 No, Corey, I just piggybacking off of what you said. I mean, very similar to what we talked about with Zion coming out of college too. You know, the size mm. power stuff. Um, not that I'm saying Cam Whitmore is, you know, the same as Zion or anything like that. But if we're talking about like, you know, how the conversation goes and how it sounds, it, it's similar. As you mentioned, he's he's weighing in at 235. This is a this is a beefy boy. This guy's huge, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. and not only is he huge, but he can get up there, and which is why, like going back to the Amen discussion, it's like, well, Amen weighs significantly less than Cam does. And Cam, you know, it's not just like, hey, we're not trying to say he's fat that guys what we're saying is he's got muscle he's got you know he's got more to him than he's ripped to shreds he's ripped to <laughs> yeah, shreds he's like a sculpted you and know exactly and you can you can have jack guys like what was that guy on the, on the nets back in the day was aaron williams um yeah. <laughs> really jacked but couldn't really move or jump or anything at all um you know cam whitmore's not that guy he can fly he can really make his weight move um and 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 i'm with you man it's a special special skill and I think kind of underrated at times. Um, I do want to mention that his wingspan wasn't like crazy long either. So I, I no. think like it means it means that much more how high he's getting, you know, because some of these guys, it's like they, they'll 
go for dunks. It's like, oh, he did a windmill, but it's like he jumped four feet, four inches in the air, and he just has long <laughs> arms. Uh, shout out to shout out to uh, Shabazz Muhammad back in the day. But I mean, you know, it's he's not that guy. He can really, really fly, and he's really strong. So I, I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, and I like him. You know, again, like in, in a lot of different scenarios, we'll get into like his play finishing, his downhill driving. But I also think that, you know, he is a a good cutter. And the fact that, you know, he is so powerful, he's going to be able to absorb contact. He gets above the rim. Um, this is a great like backdoor cut, sec- yes. you know, secondary break, semi-transition, right? Everybody's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, confused about where to go. And he just really opportune timing, cuts behind the defender, gets a nice baseline dunk. And, um, you know, I think early on, like this is the type of stuff that he's going to not only be able to do, but excel at early on. Yeah, Corey, I, I just want to kind of say, I want to give a special shout out to uh, our very own Tyler Metcalf, who wrote a great piece on Cam's uh, offensive game. And something that he highlighted in his piece is that, you know, the, it, it's not it's not a secret that Cam isn't the strongest shooter, right? So on plays like the one that you just highlighted, sometimes if Cam is on the weak side, his man can get caught a little ball watching sometimes mm-hmm. because he doesn't really, you know, they're not really respecting the shot. But I think Cam, in his defense, he does a good job of leveraging that type of, you know, loss of concentration and focus into an opportunity for himself so on this one obviously his man caught ball watching on the drive middle he makes a nice cut gets a feed huge freaking gigantic two-hand dunk that looks incredible <laughs> and also you know kind of sends a message like hey don't sleep on me because i'm gonna cut i'm gonna cut you up and you're gonna fucking hate it right so yeah um yeah i i think that's one thing to his credit like obviously we're gonna get to the shooting but it, it it's smart stuff you know if, if you're known to not be the a, a dead-eye shooter you still have to do something right you got to make the most of your opportunities and what you've got going so i would too i freaking Corey, i love that you because i freaking rewatched this play like 60 times just because it happened to our boy boy kobe jones but this is something <laughs> that he likes to do you know reject the screen look quick mm-hmm. crossover get downhill he does a good job of that i i think metcalf also highlighted that as well yeah, he honestly he loves driving left and he if there's a ball screen, chances are he is going to reject it. And and in this clip that we're playing if you're listening on the podcast, um uh it's a the left side of the court. Um he's just going to have wide open court. The screen's going to come, he's going to reject it and he's going to go straight through the chest of um the defender who is strong. <laughs> strong chest, strong bodied, and he just moves him off his spot. He goes right into him. Um, you know, and, and that's something like he was a really good finisher around the rim this year. Um, he was 65% at the rim and 64% in the half court, you know, so that that's a really good number for a guy like him who, um, you know, needs to be a good finisher just for, you know, his overall efficiency. Like he's got to be able to finish at the rim and and he's been able to do that just by being big, strong. And he's got like pretty good finish, um, around the rim. Uh, so, you know, we see that there, you know, with a guard or a, a, a wing. Um, but it, it's not like that's the only kind of, you know, finisher, uh, or, or position that he could finish through or, you know, we're going to see it here. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, that I, Corey, I have a question. 
um because you know you're way better with terminology and coaching stuff what is this play called where they lift everybody like this because i i noticed that um villanova they do a good job they did i obviously like you mentioned right their offense wasn't the most fun but i thought they did a pretty good job of you know getting cam set up with some empty side stuff uh mm-hmm. empty side pick and roll to kind of get him going downhill or to you know kind of get him some iso he didn't get a lot of iso looks but you know when he did i thought like the the craftsmanship on the plays were pretty good. What What is this called when they lift everybody up like that? Um, let's take a, a, another look at it. Um, I mean, it could just be kind of, you know, like a getting organized into a, like a horn set. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, but they, they did do a good job of, of getting him the space that yeah. he needed. And he's going through a center's chest, like a, a you know, Nunji's a big dude, you know what I mean? Like, and he's going right through his chest. Uh, and I, I mean, and that's what you get with Cam. He is a power wing, you know what I mean? Like six seven, two thirty-five, uh, with crazy athleticism and, and and good touch. Like, these are the the things that he is going to be able to do very early on. Um, now <clears throat> that's not to say that there aren't times when he gets downhill that it looks a little awkward. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he has that Jalen Brownness to him. I believe his hands measured fairly small. Um, his handle's a little loose. Like he's he's a good creative ball handler, but he can get loose and he can kind of get downhill with no plan. Yeah. Uh and, and he does that here uh against Creighton. And you know, he tries to go <laughs> into Kalkbrenner's body and he moves him off his spot, right? But like ultimately once he does, he doesn't have a plan because he just drove down into the paint like, all right, I'm going to move him. I'm going to get to the rim. And when Kalkbrenner absorbs the contact, and even though he gets moved, he's still able to stay in it. He doesn't really know what to do because as we'll get to later on, he's not much of a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey, freaking, <laughs> I'm I'm upset because I feel like you took all my talking points away, but it's okay. Um, I, I first off wanted to say, I loved what you said about him not having a plan because that's literally what I wrote in my notes, which Corey, I think is very common for players of his skill set and age, right? Like we get a lot of these young players that are really good athletes um, that, you know, they spend most of their youth, whether it's EYBL or high school ball or whatever, they just kind of have their way and they're not going against guys that are that good or defensive schemes that are that great either. And I feel like, you know, the cam kind of had this thing where he would get going downhill sometimes and then just be a little shocked when he met the center at times. Um, and if things didn't go exactly the way that he maybe thought it would go, or he was used to it going. Um, but the thing that you highlighted at the end is really, really important. I thought there were a lot of times where he had the opportunity to leverage his drives uh, into opportunities for others and uh, didn't always happen. And the numbers are kind of there. I believe he had a 19 assist to 42 turnovers for the season, which, um, you know, I'm not a math expert, but uh, not the best, right? Not the so, best. Uh, not the best. So <laughs> not wanted, the best. To, wanted to agree with you there. Yeah. And even if we look at this possession, you know, I, I want to dive deeper into his playmaking a little bit later on, but I'm going to pause it when he gets into the paint and, you know, look, he he doesn't have necessarily the corner there. If he was a little bit more creative, maybe he could make that corner read, but he does have the opposite wing. Yeah. Um, you know, Nemhard is just crashing because he knows like once like the scouting report on cam is like, once he gets downhill, he's not doing anything, but trying to get to the rim. Um, so there's just four blue shirts there. And, that's going to be really hard to finish him because, you know, he's got good footwork 
you know, he's, he's, he uses pivot well and he's got pump, you know, pump fakes, all of that. But when, and, and if there's one guy there because, you know, the, the blue shirts are worried that maybe you're going to kick out so they can't commit off their man as much, maybe that, you know, that'll work out. But when you, they know you're not passing, like they can just kind of crash and now it's clogged and you have nowhere to go with that footwork. And, you know, that's not a great thing, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, one last possession of, of cam as a ball handler. Cause I think it's a pretty slick, uh, it, it shows his, his creativity and getting downhill. Um, it, it shows him using the pick and roll, which I think he definitely needs to get better on again. He goes left, splits the defense and then, you know, he can get a little bendy, um, you know, he, this is kind of like a below the rim extension finish. And he has that too. So like, while he can get up, he could still finish below the rim. And I think that ability to, you know, finish above and below the rim is going to be really important for cam going forward because, you know, we've seen guys who are just crazy athletes. And if that's the only part of the game that you have to you as a finisher, like you're going to be able to, a a good defense is going to be able to take that away. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, 100% agree. And Corey, just to kind of go off of what you're saying, I, I I agree that he has a high-low stuff. He also has the left-right stuff. Uh, as you mentioned before, you highlighted earlier, He like he's a guy that likes to drive left, but also he can finish left. You know, he's not one of these guys that doesn't have a left hand. I'm not saying he's Kyrie Irving, but um, his left hand is plenty good, in my opinion. And he showed it off with some good left-hand finishes. Some of them, to be honest, I thought they were a little bit lucky, uh, kind of threw some stuff up there with his left hand. But hey, they went in and he also had some clean ones as well. So um, I'm definitely with you. The athleticism is there. I think, you know, Corey, I think the ultimate point that we're trying to make here uh, when we're talking about just the athleticism aspect of it is, yeah, he has, you know, S tier high 1% type of athleticism. I, I think he's just got to learn to refine it a little bit. I think he's very North and South right now, maybe incorporate a little bit more East and West uh, incorporate a little bit of, you know, you know, changing speeds and things like that. But it, it's not everyone's born with the raw stuff that he's got. So the fact that he has it, I think we've got to give him credit for it. Yeah. We do. Um, it's a great starting point, right? <laughs> you know, a lot of players would be blessed. All right, now let's talk about, you know, we're talking about the finishing and we're talking about how he doesn't always have a plan. And we're going to show a couple more examples and, and talk about areas of his game where he really needs to improve because I think the idea with Cam is that he's potentially going to be this three-level scorer, right? That's kind of the idea. He is very, very far from it right now, and he hasn't really shown anything during his freshman year to make you believe that's actually a realistic outcome other than the fact that, like, he's very athletic. Like, he's got... He's potentially got two. I would give him maybe 1.75 levels of scoring. Um, He is a really bad in-between player. Like, one of the worst in the class. Because he's got no plan He if he doesn't get to the rim. He was two for nine on floaters. So, you know, any of the touch that he maybe has shown on, on his layup package is not there. And a, a lot of the time it's because he doesn't have like a, like he's not trying to get to a floater. He's only getting to it if somebody's standing in his way. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, I was just thinking of Daryl Morey. I'm sorry. Um, but um, yeah, he's clearly not a three-level guy at all. Um, I'm with you. I just, I, to his credit, though, like, I, I think, 
I, I do want to, yeah, like this is pretty gnarly stuff. Um, but I do want to highlight like the, this, the, the context that he played in um, wasn't always set up for success. I know I've mentioned before that they did some nice stuff, but overall I, I I'm with you, Corey. I, I think it's got but you know, Corey, if you're, Okay, so this is my question. If we have a prospect like this in Cam Whitmore, who essentially showed nothing in terms of in in between game, then do we start? I feel like it's a bit of a stretch for us to be like, oh, this is something that he can work on or he will work on. It's like, well, if he didn't have it at all, are we sure he's ever going to have it is kind of the question, right? Like, because some guys, it's like, oh, he had a couple flashes here and there. Um, I believe that, you know, with refinement and work, he can get better. But if we have someone like Cam who didn't show it off at all, then are we just straight dreaming by saying like, oh, you know, he's going to develop this and that? Like, from what? Like, if, if it wasn't there at all, shouldn't we just accept that it's not going to be there? Or do we really just believe in NBA development? I, don't, I think it's tough. You believe in the youth? The fact that he is one of the youngest players in the class. So that's the first thing. You believe in NBA development. Um, and then you try to look at guys like maybe like Jalen Brown, um, who, if you look at his college tape, like a lot of it was really rough. And he went to the right situation where it made you go like, okay, like this could work because he he ended up here. So that's what you hope for. If Cam goes to the wrong situation, I do think you could be dreaming if you think that that is just going to develop. Um, but you try to buy into some of the positive flashes. Now, as the floater, there were none. He, he It's not a move that he tried to get to. He only used it as like a last resort when somebody stifled him um, from getting to his spot. And now extending that out, that in-between area a little bit, he was... Three for 16 on mid-range shots, 19%. Um, now, this is one of the makes, and you're like, all right, like this is a tough shot, and like ideally, if you believe in Cam's potential, if you believe in him as a top-five guy, you believe that he is going to potentially be able to knock shots like this down a little bit more consistently, hand in the face, tough shot, unbothered, right? But for me, a lot of times, I'm just like, all right, well, there aren't enough flashes based on the numbers and it's a low sample size and low sample size is something that we have to talk about with cam a lot positively and negatively. Like maybe if a couple of more of these shots go in, we're like, all right, like I see the flashes. I could believe in him being a three level scorer. Um, but too often, you know, the misses are pretty rough. Uh, the shots he's taking are pretty hard. They're difficult shots. And they're, they're like, he's stepping back, you know, one foot behind the line. Now, like the, the, the spacing and the areas of the floor where he's stopping, like, sure, he can refine that and he can turn that into a three-point shot. But, like, his mid-range pull-up game right now is really tough because when his shots go in, a lot of times they're really soft. He shoots, like, a really high arcing soft ball. But, like, his ball placement is, like, his misses are pretty inconsistent. And, you know, I, I just think this three-level scoring thing, this mid-range thing, I don't, I haven't really heard or or seen a lot of people mention it and like i think it's under discussed because if he's gonna be this big time scorer in the league and that's what you're betting on because we've alluded to he's not much of a playmaker he needs to be able to knock these shots down more consistently i i just want to say Corey, like we have to highlight the fact that you said three for 16 um that's a low percentage on a low volume 
um which then you you know people might say well if he takes more it's like oh well then you look at the film and everything that you just said right the misses are pretty rough right they, they're pretty gnarly i mean i i went back and watched every jump shot he took in college and um there were some that wanted me wanted you know that made me want to stab my eyes out right like they're really really gnarly misses um i correct it's unfortunate but everything that you're saying right now is why he ended up nine uh on my board uh, a big 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 reason why he ended up nine on my board because we started off talking about the athleticism really intriguing really special stuff i think we can use that word we can use that superlative and not feel like we're cheating or doing too much right it, it, he's a special athlete um however uh, it's the stuff in between that is missing right the handle stuff you mentioned it's not the best it's good it is good i, I think it is good not the best though um the in-between game the mid-range stuff straight up not there i actually maybe i feel like sometimes i'm of the uh minority even amongst you know like people at, at no ceilings that i'm actually not a big buyer in his jump shot um i think there are things mechanically that i thought were kind of weird that i'm really excited to hear you talk about and give us kind of the lowdown on um even his three-point shooting there are a lot of things even when he was shooting off the catch wide open there were moments where i was like oh i really don't like that at all so um yeah Corey, everything that you outlined for us is why he ended up nine for me so yeah let's talk about his shooting because he i again this is one of the cells with him right like uh he's this guy who can knock down these really tough three-point shots he showed this like isolation step back ability that you're like whoa like when this shit goes in it's like i see the vision like there's a little bit of like anthony edwards there's a little jalen brown right like there's we see these guys who are so vital um to a team success as like a number one, number two option. And this is the kind of scoring where like in the playoffs, when things get hard, if you have a guy who can make these kind of shots, that is unbelievably valuable. So when it goes in, it looks great. And, and there were enough of these kind of shots that you can buy into it. The, the flashes of it, right? Like, He's obviously confident enough to be taking these shots. Like these were not shots that Isaac Okoro was taking. Uh, these are these are real legit top end shot making. Now he shot thirty four point three percent overall. Um, you know thirty seven and a half percent guarded catch and shoots, thirty two attempts, forty six point two on unguarded, only thirteen attempts, forty um, percent on catch and shoot overall. Like there are. Sh- you know, obviously like shooting indicators that can get you a little bit excited, but I I do think that 34.3% overall mark, the 70% from the line and some of the misses being, you know, like you said, like some of those misses are, are pretty gnarly and there, there's definitely reason to be concerned, especially because when he does get the ball out on the perimeter, a lot of, a lot of times, like the ball stops with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he like he's not looking to move off it. He's looking to to put up one of these tough shots and you know, it for me if if I'm in the mind of a coach, these are shots I live with. Like yeah. if he makes it, it's like, "All right, go do it again." Yeah. Right? Like tough contest- contested shots like that. He makes that shot, like clap him up, tell him to yeah. do it again. Yeah. Corey, I wanted to ask about mechanics. Um, I, I think for me, just from the stuff that I saw on tape, if I'm wrong, let me know. Um, I thought 
I thought his base was a little inconsistent at times. Um, I thought he got really narrow um, on some of his misses. Uh, I thought his stroke overall wasn't always the smoothest. Obviously, when it went in, it looked great. But when he missed, um, I felt like sometimes he did the lean back thing um, as well. I thought the gather took some time. Um, yeah, just watching his shot, I was like, I don't know if this is the most repeatable shot. I don't know if it's the most consistently pretty shot. Um, yeah, so please give us more because I feel like those are the things that I highlighted. Um, I might be wrong, so yeah. Uh, first, I want to say shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube. Make sure that you uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed yet and you uh, hit the like button. Uh, shout out to James Dills in the comments who says, great work, you guys just bought the draft guide. Appreciate that. <laughs> the draft guide is available now at no just click on store take you to our big uh, big cartel account uh d steven says he has an interesting stroke kind of similar to ant edwards and there are definitely some similarities uh now breaking it down you're right it gets really narrow um on this possession we're watching like you see how narrow it is and he's got like big broad shoulders right so it's like he's got this weird body because of how strong he is um and he he does have like a a pretty high release point which is good but it's kind of like in front of his face a little bit mm-hmm. um and the thing that bothers me the most is that it seems like his right hand is like above like on top of the ball when it releases mm-hmm. and it's almost like he's palming the ball instead of like having it in his fingertips and i think a lot of the inconsistency comes from there now if he and look, NBA shooting coaches are fantastic. Like, I don't, I think he has a workable shot. Like, I was not confident in Isaac Okoro's shot. Hmm. I'm a lot more confident in Cam having a workable shot. Um, but I want him to eliminate some of this stuff. The ball stops and he settles for a, a tough step back three mm-hmm. where he creates, yeah. he creates no separation. Like, the defender yeah. is just in his shit. Uh, I, would much rather have him being a guy doing that at the end of the shot clock, but especially early on in his career, you know, being a guy who's spotting up off the ball and and playing off the ball, you know, but my question lies. Okay. And you look here, his base is a little bit wider in this corner catch and shoot. The the top stuff is still a little weird. Um, the release point, you know, and those issues I think have to get worked out, you know, in an off season and once you get with your team and whatnot, but the, the actual shooting base looks a little bit cleaner, um, on the catch and shoot. But if his value lies in the fact that he's going to be like mainly a catch and shoot off ball shooter. And I don't think anyone's going to argue he's one of the best in the class, even if he shot 46% on 13 attempts and unguarded catch and shoot shots if he is going to be this guy who's cutting and shooting off ball then how hard are you drafting that guy because he brings no playmaking to the table and he stops your offense completely and that's why i have him at nine like this is great right catch and shoot on the wing in transition um again his base looks a little bit better but just how high are you drafting a guy who doesn't have any like playmaking chops? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's mean, that's what I want to know. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to say for our listeners out there, I promise you, Corey and I, when we do our boards, we don't talk to each other. There's no cheating involved. We're not look. It it just happened to be that we both had him at nine. So I don't I don't want you guys to get weird ideas, okay? And I think Corey, <laughs> for me, it's everything that you're saying right now. It's if if there is no creation to him, if the in between stuff is almost non-existent, and you really got to squint to see it. Um, for me, someone like me who isn't like a huge believer on his three point shot, then that you have to ask that question that you just asked, Corey. How high do you take a player like that? Now we haven't touched on the defensive side of the ball, so you know that's a part of the uh, his game that I think is going to be an interesting conversation as well. But overall, like if we're talking about an off ball guy who you're looking for at least early on in his career to be uh, to be shooting off the catch and you know cutting to the basket and giving you you know physical defense and some rebounding is that a guy that you use a top five pick on i don't know um my answer would be no which is why i have mad night so <laughs> I, I, i'm right there with you man <laughs> yeah uh, and and that's my thing because there is a point in the draft where his physical tools his yeah. finishing his potential two-way ability um and the fact, fact he has shown a good amount of like tough shot making that his potential is just too high to pass up at a certain point. You know, this is, but, but I do think like he's probably a worse shooter than 34% says. And I, I just don't think that his off ball stuff, because he has no connectivity to him at the moment is going to be something that he's not somebody I would spend a top five pick on. And this is why I hate his fit with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Like, I hate it. I hate it so fucking much. And I know it's a popular one. I know people look at some of this off ball stuff and you're like, Oh, that's why he would be great there. It's like, well, why are we drafting that at five? <laughs> like if, because he's not taking, like if, if he has the ball, then Cade Cunningham doesn't have the ball to make decisions. If he has, and he's not getting any of the big men involved. If he has the ball, then like Jaden Ivey is just standing around. And like Cade has yet to show in the NBA that he could be a consistent three-point shooter. I do think he's going to be a very good one. Jaden Ivey, not the greatest three-point shooter. Jalen Duran, not a three-point shooter. James Wiseman, not a three-point shooter. Bogdanovich, old, probably going to trade him. Isaiah Stewart, not a three-point shooter. Like nobody on this roster is a legitimate three-point threat except for the guy that probably isn't long for the team so for me it's just like i hate the fit there because you're not like if you do that you're you're kind of not betting on him developing any of the other stuff because it's just not the best use of his talents if you're like oh he'll just be an off-ball guy all these guys need reps on the ball every both of the like cade's gonna be a high usage guy Jaden ivy's gonna be a high usage guy cam whitmore if you draft him, you want him to be a high usage guy. Like, do you want, like, I, I just don't, what happens if he shoots 30%? Corey, you, the, what yeah. happens? Corey, the point I was going to make was that you said that you don't believe that he's a 34, that he might be worse than 34%. I started to think there might be a real world that he never shoots 34% from three in his NBA career. And it wouldn't be crazy. And I know people are not going to like hearing that, but I, I, I think, Corey, it makes sense for him to be drafted by the Pistons if what the Pistons want to do is zag against everything else that the NBA is doing right now and just go like <laughs> 90s Pacers. Like, hey, let's go Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, and Rick Smiths. Let's do it. 
You know, if that's what they're <laughs> they looking might be do, with all the centers they're getting. <laughs> I mean, if that's what they're looking for, go for it. But Marvin Bagley can't shoot. <sighs> Killian Hayes can't shoot. What are we doing here? Can we get somebody who could shoot? <laughs> Yeah, so um, bad idea, Detroit. Uh, if you grab Cam Whitmore, uh, Corey will not be watching your games or he'll be watching all of them just to laugh at you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be ugly, man. That's what yeah. all I'm saying. And, and Cam doesn't get to the free throw line. For somebody that powerful, he doesn't 2. get to the free 5, throw line a lot. 2.5 attempts per game, pretty bad. You know, maybe he maybe he gets there more often, but I think one of the reasons he doesn't get there that often is because, you know, when he's going to the rim, you know, he's attacking it. Now, when he gets a step on you, he's going to put you on a poster potentially. So you better get the fuck out of the way. But if you know that he's either shooting a three or you are um, getting all the way to the rim so you could play him, the defenses are going to adjust. They're going to beat him to the spots like. If people beat you to the spot, they're probably not going to foul as much. You know, there's no unpredictability. He's He can't pull up in the mid-range. He doesn't have that in his bag yet, and he doesn't pass. So he's so predictable as a basketball player, right? And that's why he was probably so inconsistent this year. Like, he had games where he'd look like this superstar, and then he'd have, have games where he scored under 10 points. Corey, um, you know who does have a mid-range jumper, a good handle, and can pass? Uh, Jairus Walker. He can do <laughs> those things. Um, <laughs> he can. Yeah. We we love ourselves some Jarris Walker. Um and Pepega Jones asked Pistons fan here, do you want do you trust Walker's jumper more than Cam's? I think I probably trust them equally. To be honest. I I think I trust Jarris's a little bit more. I and I think that's fair. I, I do think that's fair. I definitely think he's gonna take way more sh- threes that are appropriate than cam is um now cam just i just went through his box score he had 11 games where he scored less than 10 points now look villanova as a whole there's some context right um that sure like the team didn't as a team didn't move the ball a ton but um a lot of that is just because like Cam was guilty of that too. So I'm not blaming all of this on context. And I think when you're not the level of shooter that Cam is like, you're going to be inconsistent and have those games. I think that's going to be a trend that we see continue. Um, All right. So now let's talk about his playmaking a little bit. And I think this is kind of like a good example of where he's at as a, a playmaker as we see him initiate out of the pick and roll. And I think he needs to do this to be a top five pick. Like he comes off it. Like he does not recognize that there might be three blue shirts in the paint and they stop him at the nail and he's got to kill his dribble Mm -hmm. as soon as he comes off the screen. Like there's no retreat dribble. He doesn't, he doesn't have the feel yet and he's young and I get it, but there's no guarantee that he's going to develop that this feel like he doesn't recognize that the bigs in drop. He doesn't recognize the helps get a dig at him and you know, they get a good shot out of it luckily because the rotations are sloppy, but this is kind these are the passes that cam Whitmore would make you know what i mean like he would only pass as a last resort shout out papa roach yeah yeah i mean there were uh, i think it was stephen gillespie who wrote wrote a piece on him and he did highlight a couple passes but i'm cory i'm right there with yeah, you I, I think i vehemently disagree y- with that yeah yeah because honestly to, to... yeah it was is it's exactly what you just said right it was coming off the drive he kind of gets clamped up 
last second he throws a desperation pass and it leads to an open bucket and you start to go oh maybe there's some passing there but I, i'm with you I, I just the numbers don't lie number one right 19 to 42 is pretty rough right but on top of that is plays like we're talking about right here right like he just doesn't have the vision doesn't have the feel um isn't something that he's actively looking to do either um so if if you just are that guy i mean i don't, I don't want to use terms like you know he's got blinders on or whatever but sometimes it really feels like it so i'm right there with you yeah a hundred percent now i i think the one thing that he got better at um i guess you would say as you know he he went through the year and and We'll also mention like he was injured early on yeah. um, and he yeah. came in to uh, the, the season off of an injury. You know, he came right into the play. That's always difficult, right? It's not like he was healthy, had a full season of training camp and, you know, was able to to mesh with everybody. Um, so I get it. But the one thing he did get better on better at, not that I, I want to say that he's good because he's certainly not. Um, he's OK at hitting the role. He's okay at hitting the roller, you know, <laughs> like, it, you know, it's, and it's a simple read. Um, it's an important one. If you're going to put the ball in his hands, especially in Detroit, where all of the bigs are rolling to the rim, um, you know, he's going to have to make this kind of play if he were to go there at five. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's a nice pass, like good feel. You know, it leads to a, a pretty decent shot. One more, um, you know, we'll we'll show another one here where we get him the ball on the left wing. Tries to reject it, doesn't wait for the screen to come. Again, not a lot of feel, but he takes a retreat dribble, gets his guy a layup here. Uh, and, and this is, again, like going back to the field, like, he sees an opening. He's going to try to attack it. There, there's no patience. And this is where you see a lot of the youth. Like he's trying the guy beats him to the spot and he's got to come, you know, no, that's a good pass. All right. But it was a secondary option. He didn't let the play develop. He doesn't let anything develop. He's just so eager to score. You know, he has this mindset where he has to score and that, that makes me a little bit nervous. You know what I mean? Like I'm just nervous about it. No, I'm with you, Corey. It's, you know, you're in dangerous territory when the only thing you can highlight is something that he's like kind of okay at. Um, we're, we're just not in a good place when we're talking about Cam Whitmore and his playmaking, right? You said he was okay at, you know, finding the roller. Like, well, probably not a good sign. Um, I actually love Mr. Ray's comment here where he said the flashes of playmaking by Whitmore is so sparse that it's uh, difficult to even call them true flashes. Like, I'm... Hey man, Mr. Ray, right there with you. You know, <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it was so rare um, that it's really difficult to like. You start saying things like small sample size, small sample size, but this is like minuscule sample size um, at this point. And you know, it's <sighs> if we're gonna shit on Gigi Jackson for his <sighs> passing stuff, we have yeah. to do it for Cam. Yeah, like we can't make excuses. Like we got to be real. Like this dude is not a good playmaker he doesn't like how and i don't know if there's a way to predict like if he turns it around there are no indications that were like oh he this is something that we all saw coming because it's like no we're lying at that point (laughs) we didn't see it coming he didn't do it he didn't show any instincts on that end regardless of what kind of offense um villanova's running they're running the same set that we saw you know him him get a a nice downhill drive before where everybody lifts up um 
and, and you know, this is a good counter to that, you know, so we saw a drive earlier and now we're seeing a, a, a nice pass, but again, if he becomes some positive field guy, it's going to be because he got really good development. And I, I think betting on that, like that's a, that's a tough thing to bet on. If you want to bet on him being a play finisher, a guy in transition, maybe a, th- you know, a potential guy who's going to knock down open shots, get out in transition and potentially be able to guard a bunch of spots. I could buy that. And I think there's definitely, if, if he maximizes even that, maybe he is one of the five best guys in the draft. I don't know, but I, I just don't want to pretend that he isn't something that he's not because he's only shown the capability to really make easy reads. Now, the one thing that I'll say where maybe he could be interesting, and this is not exactly it, but like, this is kind of like, mimicking a short roll pass kind of like it's an offensive rebound um that leads into like a broken play but it shows him you know kind of making a quick decision to hit the dunker spot uh and you can kind of see how it could mirror a a a short roll possession so if you're looking at him as a guy who's maybe going to play up because he definitely has the strength and and maybe the speed and uh, as a mismatch guy at the four like could be interesting. And I definitely think that's mm-hmm. part of the appeal of them that he is strong enough and, and measured at six, seven inch shoes to do that. Uh, maybe you use him as a screener to get him downhill. And maybe these playmaking reads become a little bit easier and you could do some interesting stuff here. Corey, I just want to say really quickly, um, we're not saying all of this to hold it against him as a prospect necessarily. I think it's the context, right? As you've mentioned, you if we had 20 mock drafts from 20 different websites in front of us right now, I'd say 18 to 19 of them would have him in the top five, top six, right? So if, if we're talking about a top five, top six prospect, then these things really start to matter, right? Because yeah. when we're talking about the guys at the very top of – a draft, very top of a big board, a mock draft, whatever it is, you need guys that are multidimensional. It kind of comes with the territory. Um, It's a reason why, you know, dunkers or centers with one or two skills don't necessarily go in the top five, top 10 anymore is because when we're looking at the very top of the draft, you're looking for guys with multiple dimensions, with guys that you can potentially do stuff. You're you're hoping can do stuff with the ball in their hands, make decisions for you. So once again, I'm not saying that I don't think either one of us are saying that, oh, Cam Whitworth is going to be a bad NBA player. What we're saying is for him to go in the top five and to solidify himself in the top five conversation, I think he's lacking those multi-dimensions for him to warrant that type of discussion, I think is what we're both trying to say. So I, I wanted uh, to throw that in there. No, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's these guys, you know, we have to nitpick, you know what I mean? Um, Greg Castillo, Gregory Castillo says, I'd rather bet on a SAR. And for me, like, hmm. I think that I would too. Um, I would too. There. And, and I think not necessarily for every team, but like, if we're talking about maybe the Pistons or maybe even like a team like the Rockets, yeah. um, in the top five, yeah, I think I'd rather bet on Asar because he does have that connectivity to him. He does have that same kind of off-ball cutting ability, transition ability, that same kind of top-tier athleticism, potential two-way ability, and the same kind of questions with his jumper. Um, and to be honest, like I like Asar's form better than I like Cam's, and I, you know, I don't think the few percentage points which could have gone in either direction a couple more misses there it's you know even that percentage is closer to 30 like it 
I'd rather bet on that for that particular situation personally um, because I think their potential is very similar. Their role is a little bit similar. And I do think that at a certain point you have to kind of like you have to try to build a team. Now that's not to say that you're just you're building you're you're, you're selecting somebody for fit and you're taking a guy who's like going to go 15th, 5th, you know, just because he fits your team better. But like if there are guys that are going to allow you to develop them in a way that makes sense hmm. and they're very similarly talented. Like if you take the guy that you think is just slightly more talented, but doesn't fit your team, like let's say, you know, they do take like, it, what if the best player available was a center? Can you take them if you're Detroit? Of course not. Cause they're not, nobody, like, these guys aren't going to get minutes to develop. You have to be on the floor at some point in order to develop. And I just don't, I think, you have to draft for fit a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I think that Taylor Hendricks front of the program would be a sneaky, interesting mm-hmm. fit in Detroit. Um, but that's, that's kind of what makes cam a little bit hard. Now, again, maybe they, you get creative, you could use him in different ways to get him to be more of a playmaker. Maybe he develops it. Cause he's so young. Um, we'll see. I, Let's let's talk a little bit more positively about his playmaking this one time because this is probably the nicest pass that he had again. <laughs> like uh was it Mr. Ray who said that they we can't really call them flashes, but um, you know, again, only really making this pass because he has to. But one handed whip pass to the weak side corner off the wing. It's a pretty slick pass. There's a flash. There, <laughs> one there a spark. One one flash. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Corey. I mean, look, it, it, but oh God, once once again, the context matters. Like the the help is there. He's got literally nowhere to go, so he just whips it because he sees the guy open. Just happens to have his head head up. I, I'm with you, Corey. I actually loved everything that you said about the Osar piece of this because I have them back to back, and now I feel like I'm going to flip flop them just because of everything that you said. Um, because it's what I feel too. Like I came into this thinking, and you know, going into the deep dive again i was just like i I just don't buy the shooting don't buy the passing and for him to be a top five guy i think it's really interesting and also to that point i i feel like what detroit ends up doing with that pick i think it's going to be really really interesting to see what direction they go and who they end up grabbing they may end up grabbing somebody we never even expected um could be really interesting to watch but um yeah man this is a flash it is a flash but not something i (laughs) I'd go anywhere near saying like, oh, I think that he has this in his bag at all. He, it's a singular flash, but now, okay. But you know, we're talking about cam and Asar. Now let me play devil's advocate and be like, all right, well, what if you do think Asar uh, or cam is more talented than Asar? Let's say you're Utah and you trade up to five or six or something. Both guys are on the board. Maybe, Cam makes a little bit more sense in your system as a, a team that plays a lot of five out basketball allows you to get downhill in space. And like, if you believe in that shot creation, really developing to like a Jalen Brown level. And maybe if you're Danny Ainge who, who drafted Jalen Brown, maybe you do, maybe you see that same kind of thing. Maybe cam is the right pick. So I just think that situation and context and role is going to matter with some of these guys that are close in talent is is really just uh, i think that that matters team building does matter you have to build a roster at a certain point and not just you know select the the top 
guy left on the board every time because if there's too much positional overlap or the context doesn't matter and there's like you're drafting a non-shooter on a non-shooting team it's like all right well if you believe truly that cam is so much more talented than kate or Jaden ivy and he's going to take the spot and you're going to move off those guys later then fine but i think they believe in those guys so if you believe in those guys then like you do have to consider it a little bit um go ahead no, it's really, really quickly, Corey. I think, you know, people say you should never draft for fit. Well, you should also never say never, in my opinion. I think there needs to be a balance of things. Um, I, I love what you said about it. context is everything. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Just wanted to throw that in there. All right, let's um, get to the other side of the ball. And let's talk about his defense. What were your impressions about Cam on defense? I actually thought it was a mixed bag. Um, I was expecting to be really, really into it, but I left kind of lukewarm, um, if I'm honest. But I, I, I think, like, outlook-wise, I think he, he he can be a good defender. I just thought in college. But, you know, then you start thinking, like, injury. He missed time. He missed, like, what, his first – he missed, like, the first seven games with, like, a thumb injury, right? Those things matter. I just felt – so one of the things that I wrote – like I. <sighs> Some of the screen navigation with him was like freaking bad. Yeah. Um, like sometimes he would get freaking demolished on screens and look like he had never seen a screen before. And he looked like, like Jordan Hawkins trying yeah, to get around dude. the screen or something. I was like, bro, this isn't tough. Like like, yeah. Like you're, you're too getting, strong for it. <laughs> yeah. You're getting demolished. And like some of it, I was like, dude, you should have seen that coming on. Like, I don't know. Like I was kind of discouraged with that. I thought some of his closeouts were really like, I don't like to use this word, but like what I felt in my gut were like some of them felt really lazy at times, kind of slow, really late processing. I thought um, it's kind of I, I wanted to start with a negative because I thought there were some positives, too. But those are the negatives that I saw and what I wanted to bring up first. So, yeah, I agree. A lot of the screen net like I feel like Villanova put him on a lot of smaller guys. Mm. And I don't think that's going to oh. be where his strength is. Yeah. Um, I, I think that him being so strong, like I get it. Like he's quick enough laterally. Like I do think he can move his feet. And when we talk about the positives and we show, you know, some of the positive stuff, like he, he can move his feet. Uh, he's not the longest guy, but he can keep space closed and, you know, he could take it in the chest and, uh, and wall off drives and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, I agree. Like, I didn't think he was good chasing, uh, all the time. Like, I think he would lose focus pretty often and like guys would make like pretty simple, like flare outs and he would just like lose him for a second. Now he's pretty good at recovering cause he's so athletic. Um, but I think at the next level, that stuff might hurt him a little bit more. I think he, I thought he was pretty bad at the beginning of the season. Um, versus he, I think he got better at the end. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he, he started learning more for sure. Uh, about where he was supposed to do. I think you saw some of like the event creation numbers increase a little bit because mm. he ended up, I think, with like a three steal percentage. And I, mm. I don't think he was generating a ton of steals at the start of the year, like on video. That was a great help side block sure. there. You know what I mean? Like he, I, I think there's some of that. But I, you know, a lot of times when I hear guys go like, oh, he's great. I think we could use him as a great weak side rim protector. And it's like a, a small forward. I'm like, really? Like, probably not. <laughs> like <sighs> it's really hard to block shots in the NBA. You know what I mean? When everybody's a really good athlete and, and finisher. Um, I do think cam is going to be a good defender. Ultimately. Yeah. But, but really quickly, Corey, I just want to say, like, I thought, 
like, okay, late in the season, they're playing UConn. They had him chasing Jordan Hawkins everywhere. And I was like, well, yeah. is this the best idea? Um, and, and to his credit, he was trying. But, Corey, the thing that you said about the flare-out stuff, dude, some of them, it's like, where the fuck are you going, dude? Like, there was, like, I think it was against Providence. It was on the weak side. He was on his man. It kind of got called ball, caught uh, ball watching a little bit. But the guy flares out, and it's just like the direction that he took to get out to his man. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it was pretty gnarly at times. Um, but, 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 to his credit, as you said, like his footwork, I thought he showed some quick hands at times. Could be a little pokey. With, a, with his hands to get some steals. Um, I'm not saying he's Jalen Clark by any means, but no, uh, there were some real moments where he, he'd be really good with his hands, poke a ball he's got out. Hand. I think he's yeah, got yeah, get out in transition. So to his credit to that, strength is going to help. The fact that he is strong in the NBA with an NBA-ready physique, that's definitely going to help. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. It's it's refinement that has to come. Uh, the cleaning up of, and also like sometimes like an effort thing. I don't know if he was always like in the best best shape, um, like cardio wise. I'm not saying like physical, like muscle wise, but he cardio looks leaner. Wise. He looks leaner now than he did exactly. during the season. You know what I mean? I, Bingo. I wanted to talk about that because I think when you know like that P3 stuff when it came out, like you see him in photos, it's like oh he looks skinnier, but not in a bad way. Like I I not I'm not fat shaming here, yeah. but he it's did cutting season. No, it's cutting exactly. season. Exactly. He looked, he looked like beach. he was bulking. Exactly. He was a little heftier in the winter. Um, but, you know, I, I think that hurt him at times. But overall, I, I think um, it, it's like a focus thing with him a little bit. Sometimes the effort stuff, maybe energy stuff, whatever it is. But I, I'm with you. I do think he's going to be a good defender. It's just I think it's important for us to note that he was not a rock solid defender in his freshman season. No, and he's 18 during this freshman season. Like he's coming in halfway through. That's to be expected. He's you know playing in a good conference, um, but like you said, like this is really quick hands. And he turns. He's gonna turn defense into offense because he's gonna get steals and he's gonna go the other way. And you know he's gonna get a lot of make a lot of the highlight real plays. But um, you know, like you mentioned, you know sometimes you know when it comes to like. You mentioned Jalen, like Jalen said, like sometimes he gambles a little too much. Um, and it felt like, you know, like right here, Cam gambles to try to, you know, get two hands yeah. on a ball, right? And uh, against Seton Hall, and it ends up as a Derrick Rose assist, which is, you know, when a guard misses the shot and the offensive player gets the, the offensive board and, and puts it in. Uh, like he doesn't need to do this when the big man is right there for the putback and there's no help. There's nobody there to get the the rebound. Like this is just a very young, youthful mistake. And ultimately, like I'm not worried about this because he's giving effort, right? And that's something that a coach is going to be like, hey, I love the energy. I love the effort, but I need you to kind of chill. Yeah. <laughs> like I need you to realize that you don't have to make the sexy play there. You just got to stay solid. So we're not, you know, putting the team in a worse off position, but you know, I, I want to, you know, go back to kind of like the, the on ball stuff. Um, this is against Baylor Shireman. I think he does a really good job here of beating him to spots, taking it in the chest. And then like, forcing him into a really tough fall away mid range shot. Like I, I, there were a lot of positive flashes defensively, more flashes on defense I'll, for sure than there were um, for his passing. 
Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm with you. But even a play like this, it really does highlight the athleticism, the footwork, um, the strength, right? He's just significantly stronger than Shireman here, where he's making his life difficult, gets in front, beats him to the spot, takes the bump here really well. Yeah, so, Corey, I, I think ultimately, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes elite athleticism can cover some of your warts. Uh, yes. Sometimes it can clean up. Uh, some of your mistakes, some of your bad positioning, sometimes your lack of focus. Athleticism can clean some of that up at times. Now, uh, if he can really clean that up and get rid of some of that rookie season Mitchell Robinson to his game, uh, I think we're talking about a guy that's going to be a good defender, like you said. Um, it's just that refinement has to come. Um, and I think it's important, for as we're, we've been saying, it's important to note that he won't be a good defender from day one. I, I don't. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a misnomer where people are going to be like, yeah, the kid, he's, you know, physical, tough defender, locked in all the time, really good. Just not the case. I, I, I just don't think that'll be the case for him from his rookie season. I think it's going to take him a couple of years to really get there with more refinement and coaching and, and, and just straight up NBA experience, right? Um, yeah. He's not going to be going against a lot of guys in the NBA that are that unathletic as Baylor Shireman are so uh, is so I, I I think um we really want to note that there are good things and good flashes but he's not ready to be like a high-end defender from day one no like I think if you're looking for that you take a guy like Jarris you take a guy like maybe Taylor Hendricks who still has his warts too um as a defender uh obviously different positions um but I, I even think this defensive possession is like this is good defense you know what i mean like he's on again he's on like a smaller guard who has him out on an island he gets really low which i love that he's able to get low and and bendy hand right in the face it's just a tough shot and like at the nba level like if you get switched on to dame or steph or trey or whoever like you're gonna need to make some tough shots right like uh and, and all you could or those guys are gonna make tough shots and all you could try to do is force them into making the tough shot like and you go all right we made him work right it it wasn't easy again this is gonna be the same kind of situation like beats him to the spot fade away midder like hand in the face like hey congratulations i I even think that some on some of these iso on ball possessions you look at it and you go hey he did everything right he did everything right and and that's way more like you should judge this kind of stuff like way more favorably than like if he got dusted and a guy just missed a shot, like sometimes the process is better than the result. (sighs) No, I'm with you, Corey. I'm with you, Corey. I I just, I don't have too much to add just because I, I agree with all of this, man. I I think he's got his good flashes. Just refinement has to come. So, and also Corey, I I like really quick. Sorry. I, I, I like what you said about the fact that he can guard smaller, but that shouldn't be his main thing that he's doing um, with that type of strength and, you know, what you can do versatility wise with a guy of his size and frame. I, I just don't know if it's the best use of his ability to have him chasing around guards and, sh- and shooters all day long. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I think that he's going to be a guy who should guard like threes and fours. Yes. And like that, that'll be his best defensive position and probably offensive position as well. Okay. If you're buying stock, in Cam Whitmore, who maybe have you bought stock in previously? This was really hard for me, man. Um, considering where I have him, uh, considering my concerns with his shooting, um, 
and I'm like, I don't even think he's a level of a passer. It was actually hard for me to find somebody, but I wrote down like Aaron Gordon um, could potentially be an Aaron Gordon type of guy um, where, you know, I, Aaron Gordon clearly didn't reach the ceiling that people had in mind when he first got drafted and came into the NBA. But um, he's uh, in the finals right now uh, playing next to Jokic, and he's a really, really important cog to their success. Uh, never became the shooter that some people thought he would become. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't, this was tough for me, but um, I threw Aaron Gordon in there. Um, and also... Just not not really a comparison, but what came to mind was I was an idiot and I believed in Derek <laughs> Williams. We've talked about this so many times. And I look at Cam Whitmore and I'm like, mm, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I went, I think he's like a blend of like Miles Bridges and Jalen Brown is is kind of who i think he plays like i definitely could see the role of like aaron gordon but aaron gordon had like way better playmaking feel yeah yeah, that's what i meant yeah he could pass it you know what i mean like um but i definitely think i i think there's some rj barrett to him like they they play differently but like you know sometimes rj has that kind of tunnel vision gets downhill. RJ was a much better passer in college for sure. Um, but it's primarily like downhill drivers who are like not really good shooters, but like you're kind of okay if they take those shots. Um, but I do think that there is like, I think he's safer. I don't think he gets played off the court in the playoffs in the same way that like Isaac Coro or Stanley Johnson have like that kind of downside. Like I think his downside is his floor is higher than that. But like we have to remember like Stanley Johnson went eighth. Isaac Coro went sixth, Hmm. you know, like, and we can't just sit and go, Oh, well we knew that was going to happen. Like, obviously we did like people were much higher on those guys. You know what I mean? Like, so like if the shot doesn't work, and he goes to a really weird situation, it could get weird for him. Is all I'm saying. Like, but but then again, like if he goes to a place like Charlotte that has a playmaker like Lamelo, or if he goes to Indiana with Halliburton, you know what I mean? Like, now you're looking at like potentially his career could be completely different. So like fit and context definitely work it, like it definitely matters especially for a guy like him that i personally think has so many question marks yeah Corey. i, I first off i want to say like d steven in the thing said gordon was miscast as some skilled offensive player cam is a good amount better off the bounce just want to say d uh we might be saying the same thing about cam whitmore five to ten years from now just want to throw that out there, you know, like I, I get I get what you're saying. And also, I, I wasn't saying it's the apples to apples comp, but we it, there's a very real world 10 years from now. We're going, man, people thought Cam Whitmore was going to be doing stuff off the dribble. You know, we thought he was nasty with the handle, thought he was a tough shot maker. 
that sure didn't pan out. There's a very real world where that happens. And so, and like you said, Corey, if you look at where Okoro was taken, right? Um, Aaron Gordon, where he was taken, Derek Williams, where these guys were taken, like, you know, in hindsight, Stanley Johnson, in hindsight, we could be like, oh yeah, we knew that they weren't going to work out. Well, then why the hell did we, t- were they taken that high when they were taken, right? So there is some real risk with Cam Whitmore, man. Yeah, 100%. Um, Dirty Dancer says, reminds me a little of Corey Maggetti for the old folks. Mm. Uh, I actually, uh, I got Corey Maggetti for, I was thinking when I was watching Ricky Council film. Okay. <laughs> but I, I see, I could see it a little bit. I could see it a little bit with Cam, uh, downhill driver. Um, comment section is is popping yeah, today. Is shout out, shout out to everybody getting hype for the draft shout out to everybody in the comment section everybody watching live on youtube make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're not yet and make sure you hit that like button if you are watching and you haven't yet all right albert it's time for america's favorite segment i need you to sell me this pen on potential top five pick cam whitmore out of villanova here we go. Um, this is going to be one of the tougher ones I do, but um, okay. If you're interested in a 1% athlete uh, with an NBA ready physique, uh, a guy who really pops athletically, um, then you should take a look at Cam Whitmore, a guy who I think eventually will offer you versatility on both ends of the floor um, as a, well, okay, let's start on defense, right? I think he can offer you in terms of guarding multiple positions, even flash some weak side rim protection type of stuff. On offense, if you've got a great developmental staff, a great shooting coach, uh, some people to really help him work on his in-between game, tighten up the handle, tighten up the jump shot, then yeah, there's a potential uh, versatile offensive player in there as well. Um, But yeah, if you're a true believer, and there are people out there and GMs out there that are true believers in 1% athletes, then Cam Whitmore is a guy that should be really high on your list because he is a clear S-tier 1% type of athlete with an NBA-ready physique. So if that's the type of guy that you're into, then you should absolutely look into investing a high-end pick on Cam Whitmore. Absolutely. And I could see a team doing it and I could see Cam Whitmore. Um, I could see that bet definitely paying dividends. The shot making flashes, which are, are potentially special. The athleticism, absolutely special. The potential versatility on both sides of the ball, really impressive. And I could definitely see him being a running mate in the right circumstance on a team that plays in the playoffs. So, uh, would have liked to see him play for Jay Wright. I will say that. Uh, but Cam Whitmore, uh, weird season, potentially weird player, but man, a ton of fun. I will say also, like I saw Cam live uh, in the Big East tournament, and he is as physically imposing in person as you would imagine that he is. Um, all right, that is going to do it for this episode of the draft Act podcast uh, before we get out of here i want to encourage everybody to head to no ceilings nba.bigcartel.com and if you haven't yet go and get yourself a copy of the 
2023 NBA draft guide. It's out. It's 120 plus pages, 18,000 plus words on the no ceilings top 60 prospects. Um, as you could see, like the cover's beautiful. Shout out to Matt Skiff for knocking it out of the park. We paid homage to the 96 cover of Slam Magazine here. We got Victor in the Camby spot. We got Scoot in the Marbury spot. Amen in the Kobe spot. Jarris in the Sharif spot. And Brandon Miller in the Ray spot. Um, we have new merch. Uh, the whole crew worked really hard. So it's 10 bucks, And it is well worth the investment if you are somebody who enjoys the draft and uh, are trying to prepare in any way that you can. You could also go to NoCeilingsNBA.com, subscribe there. Um, it's free, and you could search for, we've written on just about every prospect and even guys that aren't going to get drafted, guys who probably aren't going to get two-way deals um, and are going to be G League or, or playing in Europe. So we have you covered any way you want to do it. Um, Albert, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, Alberto Gim is where you can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm at GTGNBA is where you can find me on Instagram. Um, been doing a lot of guest pods recently out of yeah. nowhere. Um, yeah, very Love thankful. <laughs> really appreciative of uh, all the invites I've been doing. Uh, I got I did like an Alex Golden Pacers mock draft type of thing. Uh, did uh, the uh, Locked On pod with Josh Lloyd. Did a Lakers Legacy pod with uh, Jonathan Hernandez. Uh, recording a Kings pod tonight, which should be coming out sometime later this week as well. So uh, been a lot busier than I thought I'd be. Uh, but always, always really thankful for all the opportunities. And Corey, something that I keep in mind always is um, uh, you always told me that Back in the early days, whenever anyone invited you, you always said yes. So I've been trying to do the exact same because you said yes to me when I was an absolute nobody and had like five people listening to my pod every week. So just trying to keep up that same energy and help out wherever I can. So uh, look out for me on the internet doing pod stuff. And, um, and and last thing, Corey, you and I are going to do a lot of writing soon. So <laughs> yeah, we're going to... We're both going to have four pieces coming out, Three three of which will be lottery team previews that Albert and I will be collaborating on. I'm writing about Brandon Miller. You're writing about Grady, Grady Dick. Yeah. Um, so a lot of writing coming from us personally. You could find me at Corey Tullaba. You could find us at no ceilings NBA and um, all of the content's going to be there. It's going to rock everybody. The team has been on fire lately. Um, we got more film sessions coming up with other prospects that we're really excited about. So stay tuned, stay locked in. Until next time, thank you for rocking with us, everybody. We out. Peace. Peace.